On this episode of the Other Bundesliga podcast, we leave the league football behind and go international as Austria used the September window to take a big step closer to Euro 2024. Welcome to this national team edition of the other Bundesliga podcast. Our national team is me, Tom Midler, Lee Wingate and Simon Clark. We're all here remotely to discuss Austria's two games from the most recent international break. And it was a rather positive international break as well. And uh, I'm very glad that I can say that after a 1-1 draw against Moldova opened things up and uh, Sweden were playing on the same night and they won 5-0 and I was getting a little bit nervous. But then Austria headed to the Friends Arena in Stockholm and won 3-1 to move right to the brink of Euro 2024. Let's start with the Sweden game, of course. Sai, what were your initial thoughts on uh, Sweden 1, Austria 3? I mean, yeah, Tom, it was a really fantastic win in terms of, of a match to win in the group, winning against your, your biggest rivals, really for qualification away from home, uh, 3-1. It was really, really a positive, fantastic performance from the Austrian national team. It was just a, a wonderful performance from the team. It was just so much confidence in, in, in the squad at the moment. Uh, who were the standout players? What did you guys think um, in terms of who, who were the big winners for Austria, I suppose, in the national team shirt over the last few days? I suppose the obvious answer for that would have to be Marko Arnautovic. Um, we always turn to the goal scorers. It's an easy one to point out, but he's now become Austria's second highest goal scorer of all time behind Tony Polster, who still has a little cushion ahead of him. Um, he's eight goals behind Polster's record now with 36, which um, he's probably not going to beat because he's 34. And you would, you know, it, it would suggest that he doesn't really have enough time left in his international career to to break that record. But um, obviously some, some really important goals because, you know, the 1-0 lead was slender. They needed to win that game in Sweden really to to put it beyond what I would call any reasonable doubt and yeah Arnautovic was the man who turned up in the in the big moment. He's got 50 wins now in an Austria shirt as well which is also a joint record alongside Alexander Dragovic but yeah up there with Tony Polster atop the uh, national team goal scorers list that's that's a rarefied air for Marko Arnautovic and he was criticized I think about a year ago by Peter Packelt who said um, he's not really fired Austria to any World Cups or Euros well, he's pretty much fired them to the Euros uh, this time. I'm not sure if we can quite say it, but but pretty much. Uh, si, who were you going to pick out, actually? You you looked like you were you were lining up some names when that question came out. No, I mean, I was going to pick Anatovic as well. I mean, uh, I really think he, he was by far Austria's best player on the pitch against Sweden. Um, yeah, it, he was just all over the pitch. Even before his, uh, his two goals he scored, he was just a part of the action the entire time. But if we're looking around the team, I thought uh, Sabitzer had a wonderful game as well. He's really, really improved over the last uh, six months or so under Ralph Ranić. It's really just a positive performance. You have so many high-performing perform, high players in the Austria team. And yeah, I mean, you're looking at now the situation where Austria pretty much completely assured of qualification. Yes, um, there's, you know, it's a seven-point gap and there's three games to go. But um, you have to look at Austria's team and think, you know, this is a team that has confidence. It, it could potentially go quite far in Germany. Yeah, we'll look at the Euros later if we allow ourselves to uh, get ahead of ourselves a little bit and look towards Euro 2024. But for now, 
you're talking about the team, about Rangnick, about some of the players who stood out. Um, this is quite a similar team to the team that Franco Foda had. There have been a few additions, a few younger players mixed in, but by and large, it's the same squad of players that Franco Foda has had at his disposal for quite a few years um, prior to the Rangnick era. Um, Foda's record, technically, his win-loss record is slightly better, I think, than, than Ralph Rangnick's as well. So why, why is there such a feel-good factor around this Austria team right now, other than the fact that, of course, they've beaten Sweden home and away and you know, potentially the vital games in this group stage have have now been won. What is the wave that Austria are sort of riding this crest of right now? Well, I think that you have to kind of split the Ranić era into two parts. So the first bit is the Nations League campaign, which started really well with that 3-0 victory in Croatia. But then, you know, there are a few defeats in there to France, a couple to Denmark as well. More recently, though, they're now on an eight-match unbeaten run, which is the joint longest in 10 years. And it feels like in that period of time, the results have turned around significantly and they're looking a lot more consistent against some really big opponents as well. The likes of Belgium, for example, who you know we think of as being one of the biggest names in world football. I think, obviously, there's a lot of recency bias. So that recent run is obviously impacting public opinion but then you also have the style of play which was widely regarded as being a bit drab and dour under Foda with lots of players not really performing to their potential or being put into a system or being allowed to play in a way that fulfilled their potential whereas now it really looks like Ranić has got a lot of these players playing the sort of pressing football that a lot of them play at the the Red Bull clubs and just generally a lot of the football that they do play at club level. So I think that when Austria players link up with the national team again, they're not making a huge adaptation uh, compared to, you know, the way they play at club level. And they're also, yeah, just I think he's letting them run free a little bit more and, and let out some of their, live out some of their attacking instincts. So I think that, that obviously like that is that is a huge factor because people want to see entertaining football at the same time as they see winning football. And at the moment they're seeing both. I think the the whole issue with Foda was just when you watched Austria, you weren't entertained. You, you were never entertained. Obviously, Austria had, actually won quite a lot of games under Foda. And I think if you, if you look at the uh, the wins per match ratio, Foda's record is actually better, which is which is quite uh, funny, really, considering how we feel about Ralph Ranić compared to Franco Foda. But um, yeah, it's just when you come to watch Austria games now, you're expecting to be entertained. It's just fun football. It's it's winning football as well, and Austria are going to qualify with probably two games to go. And um, yeah, it's just, I think the feel-good factor also is just, you really feel it amongst the fans as well. The fact that Austria are now selling out qualifiers four months in advance just shows this feel-good factor is only going to continue. And with some upcoming international friendlies against major teams as well, and a potential to go quite far next summer as well. I really think this is going to continue. It's going to be very exciting for us during these international breaks. One additional thought that just popped into my head there as well, to explain that difference in terms of results between Foda and Ranić, I think it's 1.81 points per game that Foda averaged, and it's 1.71 for Ranić, which is not so far behind. But I think you have to look at the fixtures that Ranić has been in charge of so far and most of them are competitive games the UEFA Nations League campaign and now this Euro qualification campaign whereas you know Franco Foda was in charge of a lot of friendlies in between so that's probably a bit of a distortion there as well. Um, a word on Michael Gregoric because 
he's kind of an unfancied striker, isn't he? He's kind of an unfashionable forward for Austria. But he has been, although it was the two goals from Arnautovic that, that sort of put the icing on the cake and sealed the deal, as you uh, as you could say, against Sweden, it was Gregoric who scored in, in both of the games in this international window. And it has been him uh, who's been consistently getting quite important goals. Ever since I remember the, at the beginning of the Euros, uh, of the last Euros, Austria against North Macedonia, I think Gregoric came up with an important goal in that group stage for Austria. And, and ever since then, it seems like he's quite often the man to turn to in, in important moments. I think, as you put it there, Tom, he's just one of the, the unsung heroes. And he's had, you know, a very good and prolific career in the German Bundesliga as well with, the, you know, Augsburg and, and various other clubs. Uh, what I really liked about his performance against Sweden is the fact that he really shouldn't have got to that header that opened the scoring. And it was a great run. He's put himself in front of the defender and just emphatically headed that into the top corner. So I think he's one of those players that like, when you think about the current Austria squad, you don't necessarily think about as being one of the standout names, the key performers or a difference maker, but he's just quietly going about his business and offering a different type of goal threat, I think, to the likes of Arnautovic. Yeah, it was a lovely cross as well that came in from the right. And as you say, Gregorich with a brilliant run in, no right to win the header, but uh, beat the defenders to it with sheer willpower, which was nice to see. You know, it was such a big game. It looked like uh, from the little that I saw of it, it looked like Austria really kind of rose to the occasion, silenced the crowd and, and didn't really give Sweden anything. They, they didn't seem to give Sweden much of a foothold. I thought defensively, Austria just never seemed to let Sweden really into the game, which is pretty impressive to go away to Sweden and do that for sure this is a Sweden team that you know have, have gone very very far in tournaments in the last f- five ten years so to be able to have the ability as a team to go into that environment and just p- produce a performance that you know frankly this is not the type of performance that Austria teams are, are usually producing in these massive matches so you know it's um yeah it was a very very impressive performance and I think uh you know Going into the game, they achieved exactly what they wanted to achieve in terms of silencing the fans and making it a very hard game for Sweden. Yeah, I'm not sure Austria would have won this game um, a few years ago, really. So it was uh, it was nice to see, put it that way. I think over the international break, the goalkeeping question as well might have been answered if there was indeed a goalkeeping question at this point of 2023. Bachmann was in for the Moldova game. Schlager was back. Obviously, a statement of uh, first choice, putting him in goal again for the Sweden game. And whereas Bachmann uh, didn't exactly cover himself in glory for Moldova's goal, um, Schlager was pretty decent, wasn't he? At nil-nil, there were a couple of routine headers and things that he had to save. Didn't didn't have too much to do, but what he did have to do, I thought he pretty much got it right and was helpless in the end for the goal that was arrowed into the bottom corner when the contest was already done and dusted. Yeah, I think that Schlager is the clear favourite for the number one jersey now. Obviously, Backman's error against Moldova, where he came basically charging out of the box and tried to, to head that clear and gifted them a goal right at the beginning. Um, that's obviously not going to do him too many favours when it comes to the pecking order. But I think in terms of age and performances for their club as well, I think that you'd have to say that Schlager does deserve the nod. You've obviously got um, Hedl of Rapid Vienna in the mix there as well. So there's a few good goalkeepers to pick from. And I think probably Bachmann is, is at the bottom of that list now. Yeah, Hedl's still quite young as well, inexperienced, but good to be getting experience around the team. Um Schlager, obviously, it seems like his move to Salzburg has paid off. Other Austrian Bundesliga players 
who were in there. Um, Pras and Schneg were, were called up, um, amongst others. Uh, and Seidel, uh, Matthias Seidel made his debut, didn't he, in the, in the, the dying minutes of a game, um, you know, an important qualifier. So that was a, a very good start from him. Yeah, and I think as a podcast, we, we, we're always very happy when we see Austrian Bundesliga players uh, both called up and playing for the Austrian national team. So congratulations to all those three. Yeah, it was something we bemoaned a lot, didn't we, under Franco Foda, that he never really gave any um, game time to players that are based in Austria. And now we see five or six players in this current squad. It's good to see that Ranić does value the Austrian Bundesliga and, and some of the players that are still in it. Yeah, even the likes of Seibald kind of count as Austrian Bundesliga players in that he's formed his reputation with Ralf Rangnick through his performances in the Austrian Bundesliga. And now he's played every minute of these qualifiers under Ralf Rangnick. Um, the interesting thing is that we can be this positive and we can talk this way. But just a few days before, it was Austria 1, Moldova 1. Yes, it was a friendly, but the crowd, the Austrian crowd were booing. Arnautovic had some words about the crowd sort of not getting behind the team. Um, I know, Lee, in your work with the sweeper... We've talked about Moldova before. They are one of those sides who are improving under the radar. But still, like I said, I was a little concerned. Austria won, Moldova won. And Sweden had gone and beaten Estonia 5-0 away that night. I was I was a bit worried going into the Sweden game off the back of that Moldova 1-1 draw that looked a little flat, to say the least. Yeah, perhaps it's just the difference between you know a friendly and a competitive game that we've earmarked from the very start as being probably the decisive factor in whether Austria qualify or not. Those games against Sweden, uh, we said from the beginning, I think that Belgium were expected to take first place and then it would be a battle between Austria and Sweden for second. Whereas the Moldova game was probably, yeah, there's just not that competitive edge there. And credit to Moldova, you know, they came back to beat Poland in the last international break. They went and beat the Faroe Islands. So it's not as if they're opponents to be taken lightly anymore. Um, so perhaps you just have to put that one down to it's only a friendly. You looked ahead to Belgium there. In about a month's time, the next international break, Austria play Belgium. Um, that looks to be decisive in terms of topping the group. Can Belgium be beaten in this group? Can Austria sort of kick on from taking six points against Sweden and, and actually aim for the top spot? What do you think? The winner of that match is going to top the group and qualify on on that evening. So it's kind of like a cup final in a way because the the, the winner of the game will probably win the group and then have a higher seed in the in the Euro 2024 draw as well. It's going to be quite a remarkable occasion because Austria can qualify and it'll be 45, 50,000 people have already sold out the Apple Stadion. It's a Belgium team who frankly weren't that impressive in the home game they had against Austria. So. Yeah, I mean, I don't see any reason why Austria can't win the game. Obviously, it's going to be very, very tough. Belgium are one of the best teams in the world. But, you know, this Austria team are achieving the impossible. So, you know, <laughs> like uh, if they can beat Belgium, it would be quite an achievement. A big chance to kick on and win the group. As you say, consequences of that, the uh, seeding for the Euros, that could be really, really helpful if Austria are to sort of fulfil this promise. But you feel like with Rangnick, they are looking ahead at that. They're already focusing on the Euros. It's not to be arrogant. It's not to say the job is done in qualification, but it's just uh, a sign of their ambitions, I think, that they are already looking to sort of right the wrongs of, of the previous Euros. Not that the last one was too bad, but the one before, especially for Austria. You know, they want to start making a mark. They almost made a mark at the last Euros and they want to really start making a mark at the next ones 
Sweden would need to win all their games now, wouldn't they? Austria would just need, even if they can't beat Belgium, they would just need a, a win against Estonia or Azerbaijan. So can we get ahead of ourselves and start looking forward to Germany? I would have been so upset if Austria, I would be so upset if Austria were not at Germany 2024, given that it's right next door. You feel like there's a sense that everyone really wants to be there in this Austria camp, given where this Euros is situated. No, of course. I mean, as I was looking at uh, the information about which teams are the most likely to qualify, and Austria are 99.4% likely to qualify for the tournament. So as a 0.6%, you know, I'm liking those chances. Um, You you know, it's, uh, I think we can start looking forward to heading to Germany next summer. It's going to be incredible. <laughs> it's going to be amazing. And and looking at the Germany national team, who actually won against France last night, but you know before that they were a bit of a, a bit of a shit show really. And so you're looking at Austria going in as the the inform uh, German speaking team. So I'm with a German manager as well. So there could there, there could be some home support in Germany for Austria. Yeah, interestingly, so this week we saw uh, Keito Nakamura playing really well for Japan. Japan beating Germany four one. And then Hansi Flick getting sacked. And briefly, uh, Ralph Rangnick linked with the Germany national team job. I, I know we were quick to dismiss that on our Twitter that we were like, no, hands off. But can you imagine if that had happened? Yeah, I mean, I think it w- would have been pretty terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I think there was, um, you know, there's probably a lack of available managers that Germany would consider right now because Germany have always had German national team managers. You've got, you know, Klopp and Thomas Tuchel who are in high profile club jobs you've got Julian Nagelsmann who is still technically under contract with Bayern Munich and I think obviously like looking for very good tactical coaches Ralph Rangnick is going to come near the top of that list Uh, but he's quite quick to rule himself out of that and dismiss any possibility of working with Germany he clearly believes in this Austria project he's you know got a year of work under his belt now as well so I think he probably wouldn't want to even if he did like the sound of the Germany job you probably wouldn't want to take that with just nine months to go anyway but whatever the reason we've got to be happy that Ralph Ranić is is still in charge yeah so on that note can we uh you know are people going to be booking trains booking transport already to some of these cities in Germany and, and looking forward to enjoying a, a European party next summer well, I, I think it'd be foolish to book your trains before you, you know where uh, Austria are going to play. But, <laughs> but I mean, you, you can start imagining maybe where where Austria will be playing. Uh, I, I'm hoping it'll be one of the ones that you know f- from Vienna to Munich. It's only a four-hour train. You know, wouldn't that be fun if Austria were playing in Munich? Would be wonderful. I'm just so pleased that they look like they're going to be there. As you said, 99 point whatever chance. It's looking good. Uh, we'll wrap it up there for the international pod. Thanks for joining us for this shorter international pod. No Bundesliga to talk about just yet. Uh, not for this week anyway, but we will be back very shortly with our next episode of the other Bundesliga, looking at the league action from Austria. And we'll have special podcasts coming soon with previews and interviews on each of Austria's teams in European participation in the Champions League and the Europa League as well. So some special podcasts coming up in the near future as well as our regular Bundesliga content. Thanks for listening to this one. We'll see you soon.